ESPN's NBA rank came out today, and there are some controversial rankings. And then on top of that, the NBA and the MBPA had some serious uh, new talks in their potential CBA coming up, including draft eligibility changing from 19 years old to 18 years old. Could make some big switches. Let's talk about it on Locked On NBA Big Board. You are Locked On NBA Big Board, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's up? My name is Richard Stamen. You probably know me better as Mavs Draft on Twitter. Uh, It's been a little bit, but we are back to, uh, we're getting into the five days a week. I think we're doing that. Next week is when that comes back. We are your only NBA draft show that is five days a week, every day, every week. We are here for you. A little bit about me, if this is your first time listening. Uh, despite me wearing a Phoenix shirt right now, uh, I am from Dallas. I'm credentialed uh, in college basketball around DFW, mostly TCU's my my home spot. But I also go around the country going to combines, events, private workouts, and uh, just other college and high school basketball games. So uh, I, I'm big time involved in basketball around the, the Metroplex, but I find myself pretty familiar around the entire game from top to bottom at all on every single team in the pros and, and mostly throughout college. So for today's episode, um, and, and before I get into this, actually, I want to thank everybody who's listening again. I know it's the the final leg of the off season, but you know, there's a lot of other stuff you could be listening to. MLB is pretty popular. NFL just came back, but really appreciate you making locked on NBA big board. Your first listen of the day to hear me talk about this NBA rank. Uh, and then just the potential impact of the changes made for the draft this upcoming year. So NBA rank came out this year and there are some really controversial rankings. I think ESPN does this in a way to, to kind of drive up uh, some clicks and whatnot. So like, I get it. I'm not trying to take a ton of value into this, but man, there are some questionable, questionable uh, decisions on here. So <clears throat> for those that haven't read it, it's on ESPN. Pretty sure it's not on ESPN Plus. Anybody can read this. They released 100 through 25. And if you're like me, I miss, I, I personally missed the days when they did all 450 players. It's a little bit harder with the two ways now. It's not uh, that many, but they would do the entire, everybody who's on a roster, they would release it starting at training camp and release it like the day of the regular season. They would inch it out. And the rankings generally were pretty good. You know, Carmelo Anthony would be randomly ranked either too high or too low every year, but. I kind of miss those days. Instead, now it's just 100, and there are some very, very questionable decisions on here. Uh, I'll start with one that I don't think has got enough controversy. Um, for me, it's Anthony Simons is uh, is really low. I I just I personally don't understand how he is number 90. You look at somebody who's probably going to fill in the CJ McCollum role pretty well. I don't think that a guy who just came off of, even though he only played 57 games and the Portland season had a lot of empty stats, I don't think his really were. I think it was a true flash of a fourth-year player who is going to take that jump as he enters his second contract. And the first year of the second contract is this year. He averaged 17 points a game, four assists. I think you'll see that assist number rise, especially given that he has Damian Lillard back and Jeremy Grant's there. They just got better. So with more talent, more shots will be made. But he averaged four assists. That was up from 1.4 per game. The assist over doubled. The turnovers also doubled. But, you know, it's still a two-to-one ratio, almost identical ratio that he had. So not really concerned. Just the volume scaled up. That's a good thing. Uh, he also shot 44% from the field. Th- or 41 
percent from three, 40 and a half, 41, however you want to call it, and 89% from the free throw line. So this is a guy who, I mean, he's not probably not gonna get 50% shooting just because of his play style, being a, a below the rim perimeter oriented player. But I mean, this is a guy who could easily get 40%, 90%, 40% from three, 90% from the line every single year on almost 20 points a game. That's a that's a top 50 player. Like that's you're looking at somebody who gets to top 50. Now, the question mark for him, I understand in a way why he is lower. I'm not calling for him to be like top 50 right now. I think just projecting where he is, he's still really young. Uh, as of right now, he is still, I mean, he's a brand new 23. And for me, when you're in you're he's raw, like he didn't take a jump from being raw to actually like serviceable till this year. I think you're looking at somebody who has a really good chance of being top 50. I think he's one of the best up and coming young players in the league. Uh, I just love his ability to scale into that CJ McCollum role. I think he has the potential to be a top 50 player. Uh, some other snubs that really stood out to me. Um, there's some players on, I don't really have an issue with a ton of the players on here. It's just more of where the rankings are. And also this kind of speaks to the, just the, where the league is. There's 150 players who I think are the top 150 is better than the top 150 has ever been. And it continues to get better and better. So my next gripe was it's not directly with this player, but number 82 is the lone Orlando magic player on here. And it's the one player who hasn't played a game on this entire list. Everybody else is not a rookie. Paolo Boncaro is the only rookie on here. I don't have an issue with him being 82. I think he's going to be a top 100 player rookie year. That's not debatable. But he's not the best player on his own team. And I honestly don't know if he'll be the second best player on his own team. And that's not a slight to Paolo at all. I think if you're like me, I, I also go by Magic Draft on Twitter. I'm big on the Orlando Magic. I watch every game. I'm from Orlando. So I've always had an attachment growing up watching them. So I, I continue that into adulthood. I really don't know the last season. I didn't watch every game. And for me, it's Wendell Carter really took a jump. I don't think people understand what Wendell did. And I think the stats also underrate him simultaneously. You look at, he jumped to a career best 15 points a game, had 10 and a half rebounds, three assists. This is a center, mind you, at 6'11", 6'10", 6'11", depending on if you judge by shoes. I mean, 15, 10, and three is, that is all-star numbers for a center. For Let's just pull up Vucevic's stats for when he was in Orlando. And I guarantee you, like some of his early seasons, the scoring is better everything else is really not that far off. You look at, I mean, his first all-star season, yeah, he had more of everything, but like it's it's not that crazy far off. He had 21, 12, and three and a half. That's not that crazy. And he generally did that. But the year before his all-star season, when people were like, hey, this is an up-and-comer, he was getting 16 and a half points, 10 rebounds, three assists, which is almost identical to that 15, 10 and a half, and three. And he's getting an actually, fun fact, Wendell Carter is more efficient than any season in this last year than Nikola Vucevic had in terms of field goal percentage. So you look at the three point percentages rising. He took a career best, uh, a career most three and a half threes a game before that it was 1.3 and he shot 33% from three. That's where I think the stats really underestimate him. You're looking at the ability to take threes. I mean, he was taking movement off the dribble, spot up threes. He was doing everything as a big man from three. I'm not expecting just magically 35 plus percent league average. Yeah, his his numbers are going to be below average because of the shots he's taking. But I think that's something down the road, 100% you see improvement on. So I think Wendell Carter should be on there. And then the obvious one, how on earth is Franz Wagner not on there? We all just saw one of the most complete rookie seasons. He was an all-rookie first team. All the other four all-rookie guys are on this list. So unless Franz, they see top 25, which I'm not going to complain about, but I highly doubt they're giving you Orlando Magic that respect. It's weird. 15 and a half points a game, 
three assists, four and a half rebounds, one steal, only 1.5 turnovers, 47% shooting, 35% from three, 86% from the line. Like what hole is there in his game? He was a good defender, really good passer, didn't make mistakes. And he's super young. Like he is still, he just turned 21 at the end of August. Like he is brand new 21. What else could you want from somebody that young? Like at 21 years old, I expect him personally to be top 75, top 50 player. Like what separates him right now from Jalen Green, all those guys in the other all rookie team from last year? Because yes, their upside, I would not argue that all four of the other guys probably have better upside, but like what separates them right now? If you're just projecting for 2022, 2023, I don't think there's a big difference. So I had a big gripe with that. And then the last one, uh, this is not geared towards younger players, um, but Dorian Finney-Smith should be on this list. He's one of the best 3 and D guys in the league. He is quite literally just 3 and D. And actually, though, this last year, he did take a jump in other areas. While he was doing the same things on defense and three-point shooting, he became a little bit more capable with the ball in his hands. And he's also, the Mavs put out a stat. For the first five or six years, I think it was his full six years, every single year, all of his stats have gone up. I mean, it starts with points. He was, I think he's like one of a few players, maybe the only player or something like that to go increase his points every single year, the first six years of his of being in the league. 4.3, 5.9, 7.5, 9.5, 9.8, and then 11 points a game last year. And on top of that, you look at just, he averaged two assists a game. That was a career best. The assists also have done identical things except for sophomore and junior, or excuse me, two college-minded. Second and third year, in the league, he stagnated at 1.2 assists, but before, but every other year it's been up, up, up. So his his turnovers don't ever jump despite his assists going up every single year. I think there's a lot to be said for somebody like him. Uh, consistently 39% from three the last few years ever since the pandemic. I think it's all repeatable. That's a top 100 player. Somebody who plays good defense and all that. But um, the NBA rank is just always controversial. I'm interested to see what the, the top 25 looks like, but uh, we will get to that in just a moment but i want to tell you about our friends over at bet online if you're not watching on youtube uh, you're missing out on a brand new graphic that we are putting up this never we we never do the graphics we are brand new into it so hope you like it but betonline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season also nba i mean like preseason's a week and a half away two weeks away uh you can find all the latest football and nba MLB league developments, game matches, news and podcasts, including this year's opening week games uh, for the NBA and everything. And also just the week three of college, uh, excuse me, NFL week four of college football. And bet online is also your continued source for all your sporting and wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. They're the fastest and easiest way to go check in on all your favorite sports and events. Like I said, they have MLB, they have MMA, boxing, golf, every sport, they have it on there. So go ahead to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online is where the game starts. So, as promised, I uh, wanted to talk about the NBA rank and also some of the. Um, some of the the up and coming impacts of the new NBA MVPA uh, player negotiations. Let's continue. I'll kind of blend both of them here. Um, the the player rank. Let's just keep going through it. I Lonzo Ball is number seventy eight. He was fifty seven last year. Was horribly overrated in that regard. He was good when he played, but I think there's something to be said about availability. I don't know if Lonzo Ball ever plays more than fifty five games ever again. I mean, his knee is really bad. Uh, we don't know when he's going to play this year. That's alarming. Uh, I think 
There are two Grizzlies on here that might be slightly overrated. Brandon Clark at 94 and Dylan Brooks at 77, especially when you look at some, I mean, three guys that are on there right away that I could name that should be on here that aren't could also. And for me over at least Brandon Clark, which I think he's a good player, but you look at volume has to matter somewhere. I'd probably put Jeremy Grant over Brandon Clark right now also. So, I mean, there's a good amount of guys. Ben Simmons is number 76. He was number 28 preseason last year. If that, like, that's wild to think. And he didn't play a single game. So I'm really interested to see where Ben Simmons ends up. Had an absolute nightmare of a scenario um, last year. I mean, I feel bad for the guy. Like, and, and actually, he's going to be a little bit relevant in the next segment when I talk about some of the changes in MBPA, uh, what they're negotiating for in the next CBA. But uh, we'll get to him in a bit. But I, I think he's a little bit underrated if he plays. He's back to close to top 50, at least, especially when you have Kevin Durant and, uh, and Kyrie Irving next to him to really make up for some of his shortcomings. OG Anunoby is number 75. I felt that was really low. He was also 72 last year. Um, I don't really know why the, the words they wrote don't match his ability. Like they said, the swing skill of shot creation, Anunoby averaged a career high 17 points a game last season, but also did it with below average efficiency, 55 true shooting percentage. Uh, he shot 7% better than league average on shots with fewer than two seconds of touch, but 12.5% worse when he had the ball longer than that. I don't know if I actually buy that being a relevant stat personally. Um, I think that's a lot of context there. He still shot. I mean, he's every year since before the, before the COVID year, 2019 to current, I mean, he's averaging 38% from three and he's doing that on really good efficiency. Yeah. His overall field goal percentage is dropping, but over those three years, still 47%, like, and he's always floating in the last two years, he's floated 16, 17 points a game. I don't see why he won't be able to do it. I think Toronto's gotten a little bit better this off season too. I think he's underrated. Uh, I personally would have had him top 65 at least. It's also John Collins, 73. Uh, he definitely got limited last year. I think Nate McMillan is still struggling to find out how to use him, but DeJounte Murray is going to do wonders for him. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. is another guy who, if I'm going to bash the ball for the same thing, uh, Michael Porter Jr., we've always had the injury risk since draft time. Uh, how is he number 72 and other guys aren't on here? It, it really blows my mind. Um Let's take a look at some other guys. I think Desmond Bain is pretty underrated still, number 68. He's right behind Jalen Brunson, Miles Turner, Russell Westbrook. I personally, I don't think it's close. I think Russell Westbrook is very clearly on the decline. I get that he's a former MVP, but when you are um, at his age, I mean, he's he's about to be 34. He's a guy who we've always talked about at his, uh, you know, when, I guess five years ago, we talked about, I, I remember seeing the Reddit threads of, Who's somebody who relies so much on athleticism? They're they're going to decline the second that athleticism goes. Like they're going to be quickly, rapidly declining. And I think it's Russ. Yes, the stats don't look bad. He averaged forty. I mean, he shot forty four percent from the field last year and on eighteen points a game, eighteen and a half. Sorry, seven rebounds, seven assists. That's actually still pretty good. Like all things considered, his stats are underrated. But if you're trying to win right now, if you were to swap both guys at where they are, if you put granted again, not the best situation for Russ again. But it kind of speaks to Russ. There, there has to be, it has to factor in if Russ was swapped to most teams, how many teams is he actually making better? Whereas if you said, hey, let's put Desmond Bain on a team, how many teams is he making better? And I understand it's an unfair argument because of how Russ plays, but in a way that has to be factored in, Desmond Bain's still up and coming. I think his shot creation 
Uh, and just overall creation ability really took a step forward that nobody paid attention to. Uh, he averaged almost three assists per game, upped it by one full assist per game. And he was running pick and roll, really good in transition. It was stuff we saw, I saw, at least at TCU. And actually, I didn't realize Jeremy Grant is on here, so disregard my comment on uh, on him over Brandon Clark. So I guess that, that kind of ended up being true anyways. But um, but yeah, so I just kind of tied that off with uh, seeing that. But Desmond Bain should be higher than Russ. Jalen Green's at 62. I think he'll be a lot better than that for this season. I think he's a top 55 player at the least. Uh, definitely better than Kyle Lowry, who's number 60. Tyrese Halliburton just had a killer year with Indiana. I Again, he's a guy I don't really feel like uh, people know how good he was in Indiana just because they didn't watch him. And yeah, bad team stats can be inflated, but in Indiana in 26 games, it was nuts. 17 and a half points a game, just about 10 assists a game. It was 9.6, and that was on 50% shooting. Like I firmly stand by Rick Carlisle is a point guard savant with, with anybody who can shoot make make very smart decisions on the fly quickly and just is adaptive to their environment and Tyrese Halliburton does all of those things and he's a high level playmaker like that's a that's a great fit for Carlisle even if the Pacers aren't trying to win this year I think he's still great for it I'll round out the top 50 and then kind of tie in why I brought up Ben Simmons here but uh Jordan Poole at 55 I think that's kind of fair I think you could see an argument for him moving up De'Aaron Fox is at 54 um could see him a few spots up that's not anything egregious i'm wearing a deandre aiden shirt right now you can see it on youtube uh, and he's number 51 last year he was 35 i'm interested to see what happens there like i don't really have a ton of insight this is just something i found interesting uh but i'm really interested to see where he ends up this year because the whole way his season ended he had a great two games first two games i would say in that mavs sun series and then like suddenly frozen out, which I get why he was frustrated. And then in game seven, he wouldn't even check back in. So for me, I'm kind of like, where do you go from there? Uh, for me, it's kind of alarming. Um, but also at the same time, his physical skills and abilities should absolutely warrant a top 50 player. Like, I'm also curious to see if he gets traded. Like, that, that just can't be taken off the table. We've seen Jay Crowder's in the mix for being traded. Maybe he gets part of a bigger package so the Suns get a bigger return, but uh, I don't think they can do anything now, so that's kind of irrelevant. So maybe down the road if they still are moving, wanting to move off of uh, Crowder, I guess. But other than that, how are you, what are you going to do with them? So I'm curious what the Suns do, but that's the NBA top 50, or excuse me, top 100 ranking. The reason I want to talk about Ben Simmons, though, is uh, the Athletic and Sham Sharania posted news about the uh the nbpa and mba's negotiations on a new cba something really interesting and i, I think a lot of this has to do with ben simmons because he was he was name dropped and uh, they're going to do something that would be unprecedented it's a very progressive change uh these are shams's words for american pro sports and they want to they want to discuss me discuss measures to allow players to cite mental health issues as an ailment similar to physical physical injury and pretty much so you know, you hear about, hey, I have a lingering knee issue. If you're having, uh, personally, but I, I'll give my quick stance. These people are humans. Uh, treat them like humans. I, I think, yes, we hold them to higher standards because they are paid the big bucks. They do the best. They're the best of the best. I get it. Um, but if, look, if they're not feeling right, address that. I'd rather players be 100% healthy for their time, like physically and mentally, for when they do play, rather than forcing it and playing at 50%, you know, um for every game that just doesn't add up to me so uh i think it's really good ben simmons was name dropped they said basically because he wouldn't 
uh, he, he wasn't playing with them. Uh, he revealed to them that he he was having mental, uh, he wasn't mentally able to play because of all the pressure that came last year, which I, I fully understand. So uh, I think it's really interesting. I want to talk, though, a little bit more coming up about um, some of the other big things going on with the uh, with the MVPA's negotiations. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. So back here on Locked On NBA Big Board, my name is Richard Stamen. You probably know me better as at Mavs Draft on Twitter. Um, so the MBPA, they negotiated. They're negotiating for some new stuff coming up in the NBA or the CBA, excuse me. The big thing, this one really applies to our show. Um, wanted to talk about it last, kind of go out with a bang, I guess. So the 2024 draft is going to see a lot of new effects, um, impacts, I should say. They are proposing a new draft age. Pretty much what it is now is you have to be, you have to turn 19 or 18, excuse me, the year before you can turn, go to the draft. So one player who has been recently affected by this, Victor Wembanyama, you have to turn 18 December 31st of the same year you are entering uh, prior to the draft, right? So Alexei Pokachevsky, for example, in 2020 was a 19, uh, or what was it, two, 2000 baby uh, who turned 19 right then, if I'm not mistaken, on the last day. Victor Wemanyama turned 18 this year, so he has to spend the whole year being 18 before he can go into the draft. Technically, it's supposed to be like, you know, 19 is your draft age, but really it's you turn 18 the year before the draft. So young, young players cannot do this. This has been a thing for almost 20 years now. Uh, they're trying to reverse that. They're trying to say, hey, it should be 18. Uh, this would clear the way for high school players to basically make the jump into the NBA. Um, <clears throat> this could be done during the next uh, CBA cycle. Sources say they're hopeful for Shams. Uh, and this would change a lot. Now, one thing they talked about is they said the one and done rule really won't be touched by this. They're not trying to overthrow college right now. Uh, keywords right now. But you know, they, uh, for me, the impact that it makes is you have, uh, you already have the G League Ignite, right? People are going there. You get about four to five guys every year. Really, this year's almost an exception. We had a guy, Leonard Miller, who declared for the draft with Drew and then went to the G League Ignite. Uh, so I don't really think he's like a game changer in that regard. You have City Suzoko, who I'm pretty sure came from overseas. Uh, and then also you have, you have F.A. Abagidi who came over from Washington State after two years. So, like, this is not a normal class. My question is, will this actually make more high school players come out? Maybe some of the top guys are going to go, and eh, I don't want to go somewhere just to go somewhere. But, <clears throat> but maybe <laughs> my thing is, is, like, is it really going to make a double draft? I, I think some of that stuff is a little bit overstated. But the impact where it's not overstated is what are the teams who just started a rebuild going to do? Like, are they in a better position? Are teams that are flirting with the idea going to go to a rebuild? And I think actually the answer is yes. You look at the teams that are absolutely tanking this year. I think I think there's only a few that are standout tanking, right? You've got the Utah Jazz. I mean, they just blew everything up. You have um, the San Antonio Spurs who also blew everything up. I think by nature, Oklahoma City, they tanked last year. They didn't change their roster pretty much because uh, Chet Holmgren's injured. <clears throat> I think Portland gets better, but that kind of replaces San Antonio. Not really sure anybody in the West tanks. I guess Houston has to because they're in the hardest division and they were the worst team in the NBA last year. And they don't make a jump overnight like that. I think somebody out of Orlando, Detroit, Indiana is going to tank. 
maybe even Charlotte is in that mix. I don't really think it's Detroit personally, and it's hard to see Indiana with Rick Carlisle as the coach there tanking. I could say the same, I guess, about Steve Clifford, but here's my thing. Our team's going to go this year, especially, say this does get past, say, hey, 2024, um, things are going to change. Our team's going to pull the trigger a little bit more easily, and I think the answer is absolutely yes. Let the league, the league's going to get a little bit more and more top heavy because of this for, I think, short term, and it might trickle down into the long term in a way. Uh, because teams get so good. I mean, we're looking at a lot of big big teams are forming. I mean, because of this, Minnesota took major advantage of uh, just, I would say they took advantage of a lot of the last years and they're in a great position. Whereas um, like I, Utah just sold off to Minnesota. So I think Utah is kind of in a good position because they're in year one of the rebuild. They have absolutely no pressure. They're going for a great draft. In theory now, 2024 is a great draft. They're not going to just magically fix it overnight. Even if they do hit, multiple times in 2023 <clears throat> they would have to hit multiple times in 2024 and then wait for the one-year development jump i would say for all of that to happen and they would have to kind of reshape some of their veterans so for me i think a team like utah is in great position same thing with san antonio um so you look at teams that have just started their rebuild they're an awesome position orlando could be one of those two uh they're not as much affected by it i don't think but detroit is somebody who i think will be uh impacted by this where, you know, just these young and up and coming teams are going to get benefited, whereas teams that are kind of on the brink of blowing it up, you could say even Washington is always honest. And I feel bad for Wizards fans listening to this because it's annoying getting your name thrown every single year into the mix. I'm in Orlando. You know, I, I, I've seen it with Orlando, like from 2016 to 2021. or Yeah, they uh, they they were always like, oh, they got to blow it up now. And it was like five years of it. And nobody ever really gave them a chance. Of course, they probably should have. People were right. But Washington could be in this mix. They're almost in a do or die area just because they got Porzingis. He has a player option, if I'm not mistaken. I know there's some form of an option there. <clears throat> and if Bradley Beal doesn't win again, I just I don't know how much he's going to want to be there. Like, I know he wants to be the Dirk of Washington and all, which I respect. It's going to be a little bit hard. Um, I think this could also, if Portland tanks, so start the year if they're down bad. You might see them blow it up because they would have two years to fully draft and rebuild and boom, that falls right into that timeline. So same thing with Indiana. I don't really think any other team is a prime candidate, maybe the Brooklyn Nets, uh, because that has just the most potential to just almost go Jenga on them where you're taking out a piece from the bottom and everything falls. So um, I think you could do that as an option. You'd see them as somebody who's a threat. <clears throat> but for now, I really don't see any other big threats to be tanking for that 2024 draft, but it really does change the landscape. I think teams are going to hold on now, not only to the 2023 picks more, but the 2024 picks because of this, like those are two potentially stacked classes, even though the 2024 or excuse me, the 2023 recruiting class isn't that strong for the 2024 draft. What would be freshmen uh, in college, the 2024 draft right now or recruiting class, excuse me, does look pretty good. Um, I think it could just be a game changer. I'm personally not sold in the, this upcoming for, uh, senior year class, but that's just me. But you look at 2024, there's a few guys that are just studs. Ian Jackson, he was just on the uh, the U18, or excuse me, the U17s for um, for the USA. Absolutely killed it. And he's, he's a rising sophomore. So I, or excuse me, he's a rising junior. My bad. So you have a lot of talent. There's Bryson Tucker. I really like him as well. Uh, I love Carter Knox. I think he's really good. There's just so many guys that I've already really liked, began to like in that 2024 class. And I can't be the only one. I think NBA teams are going to see the star upside. 
Ian Jackson, I think, is absolutely worth tanking for. He's not even number one in his own class. Trey Johnson is, who's out of DFW, uh, right actually in my backyard pretty much. Um, he's just right at right. I, I need to go see a game this year of him. He's really athletic, really good, skilled with the ball in his hands, uh, and has good size over at six five, pretty much a creator. So uh you look at these 2024 guys, 2023 guys, teams are gonna be reluctant to give up those picks. What this rumor alone does is it raises the value now of all picks. So Teams asking for, hey, I want one first-round pick in the future, starts at 2025. If it's not a premier player, starts at 2025. So that really changes the landscape of the NBA. Uh, speaking of the NBA, thank you for making Locked On NBA Big Board your first listen. Now go ahead and make NBA Top 50 on Locked On NBA your second listen. They're going over which NBA players move the betting lines this season. Uh, Locked On and Bet Online's odd makers. They present the top and the NBA's top 50 most valuable players. You can find it on Locked On NBA, wherever you get your podcasts on and YouTube, which also we are on YouTube. Before the season starts, we'd love to get over like a thousand followers. We're a bit away from it right now, but it would mean a lot if we could get that. Let's see actually what we're at right now. Let's take the official count. We are at, um, actually, I, I said 1,000. I wanted 4,000 as well. So, you know, we're at 3,000 right now. Uh, I don't know where I got such a low number, but we're really trying to rise. The NBA, Locked On NBA, whole entire umbrella is way above us. We want to catch up and show them we can hang. Uh, replacing Chad Ford here a few months ago with Raphael, me, Leaf, and Sam. Uh, we got a lot of fun stuff coming up, especially as the season comes along. We're going to be talking about some of the young players, what we see. We're also going to talk draft. College basketball is only a month and a half away, believe that or not. We have so much fun stuff planned for you. And again, we are the only draft show that goes five days a week, every single week of the season. So you don't want to miss it. We'll be here again. My name, Richard Salmon at Mavstraft. It's all circled for you right here on the bottom left of your page. If you're on YouTube and also if you're listening on on uh, podcast, I apologize for accidentally coughing in your mic uh, or excuse me, in your in your ear, your car, wherever you're listening. But thank you so much for listening. My name is Richard Salmon. We'll be back tomorrow. Have a wonderful rest of your day.